Hey guys, it's Tyler. Um, welcome to a very, very, very special continuation. This is a great episode. I'm not going to take your time. Just letting you guys know that it's kind of quiet in here. You don't really hear anything, maybe an AC. However, we are at Comic-Con and we're doing everything live. So you will hear a lot of background noise. But we have some great interviews. We have some great stuff for you guys to listen to. And I hope you really enjoy, and I know it might be really kind of hard to tell what they're saying, what we're saying, or what the person we're interviewing is saying, but it's all a lot of fun, and I hope you listen to the whole thing. That's enough for me. Please enjoy, and thank you, thank you, thank you, and please, please keep supporting us, and here's the show. Good morning, and welcome to Room 6 BCDAEIOUWTF.4. Our first panel today will be the continuation. Hello, gatherers. This is Tyler. This is Evan. And we are here live at San Diego Comic-Con 2015. Yep, six years after we met here for the first time in 2009. Very, yeah, absolutely. And this thing has grown exponentially. It has been insane. This year has been great so far. Today... It's actually Friday. I've been around the, um, the exhibit hall several times. I have done everything I can to not go to a panel, and it honestly has been fantastic. I've only been to one panel, actually, but it wasn't with Comic-Con, and we'll get into that later. Um, this, this continuation is going to be really special because I've been going around interviewing. Uh, if you keep listening, we have an interview with Rob Paulson and also Elaine Adams, um, the author of Legends of Orkney. Cool. Uh, and yeah, really interesting, really nice. The, uh, she was right, very nice. Rob was sweet and awesome as, as normal. Oh, of course. And, and, um, and for people who may not know, who may not have grown up listening to Rob Paulson, can you explain who Rob he is? Rob Paulson is the voice of Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, Yakko from Animaniacs, and the original Raphael from the original TMNT animated series, and now is the voice of Donatello. Right. And uh, th- this is for mostly kids like. Our younger generations who might be listening to this, they might not know Paulson as well. But in the 90s, Paulson was king. Like, those roles yeah. really yep. defined a lot of our cartoon watching oh, back then. Absolutely. It defined our childhood. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he definitely was a voice of that generation and quickly becoming this generation's as well, which is great. As well. He's a very talented, very yep. amazing guy. Also has a podcast, and we plug that in a couple times later on. Uh, in the interview, so hopefully you keep listening to, in t- on that. They're great interviews, um, and I was, but I was very nervous. Oh, of uh, course. So this convention has been really, really great. The offsite events have been fantastic. Uh, Evan, unfortunately, does not have a badge this year, but we'll no. fix that next year. I, I would definitely try, and I'm trying to get my sister to come next year too. Absolutely, that would be great if my uh, sister and maybe even my dad could or mom could come. Uh, yeah, do a little family Comic Con bonding. Exactly. I don't know. That would be interesting to take. I, I want to do this next year, and I'm pitching this you to you right now live. Uh, take my family, my dad and my mom, who have never been to any of these conventions, to a comic convention and see how they respond the first day, like their reactions to it. Yeah. <laughs> Parents who've never been to one of these. My dad came one year and loved it. He fell in love with it. It was, it was crazy. I didn't think he would like it, uh, but he did. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, so Comic-Con this year has been insane. The exhibit hall... Uh, is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I have to say that uh, there hasn't been a lot of swag, but I only really care about that. And like I said before, I'm not. I haven't gone to one panel, and it has been so relieving and so so great. Well, there's less time waiting in lines. I mean, yeah. what was it? It was the 2012 uh, Comic Con we came to, and we were in line for some of those panels all night. Didn't we sleep out? 
Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been camping out every single year. And knowing I don't have to this year, especially since the Hall uh, Hall 8s for Saturday line started yesterday, which was Thursday mm-hmm. at 4 p.m., there's no way in hell was I going to wait 48 hours for a freaking for, – for a, p- a panel just to see some Batman clips. I mean, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited, but is it worth sitting down, you know, sitting and waiting 48 hours, though, when there's so many other things to see, so many other people to meet? I guess and- that depends on your geek, like your level of geekdom and what you're really here for. And that's something we should we should definitely talk about, especially uh, when we record uh, this upcoming week, our next uh, gathering is like the level of commitment you need to have to wait in one of these lines. And if you don't have that level of commitment, what are alternatives you can go see? And I'm certainly I'm curious to hear the other stuff you've seen outside of the con that oh, yeah. you think uh, are good alternatives to people who don't want to wait a whole night. Well, I've been going around in interviewing line. people. I've met many people. I met Joss Whedon from walking around. I um, We met Mark Hamill one of those years. I met – yeah, and we've talked about that on The Gathering. Yeah. Um, there's other. Uh, I met the five second film guys. Uh, I might go be seeing their movie hopefully tonight. It's just if think everything pans out well. Nice. Um, really, really great guys. And I mean, it, there's so much to do. I, I, I mean, if you're gonna pay all this money to come here, why? I understand waiting overnight. It's fun. It's great and it's cool. You meet people. You meet people and everything's fun. And when you're waiting in line for like six, you know. Not even 16, like 16, 12 hours. I can understand that. But when it's two days before, why did you even come to the convention? Why did you even buy a Friday badge at all? Right. You know, it's also the thing is like, you know, they overload certain days. Like, I think one of the things is looking at Saturday H-Hall lineup. Yeah. It's incredible. The amount of films there are just so, you know, it's like Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad. So you got your Warner Brothers panel. Then you have uh, Fox doing Deadpool you, with uh, also uh, and, X-Men uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Then you have Crimson, uh, Peak. Crimson Peak from Legendary. And not only that, uh, Tarantino's coming there with Hateful Eight. Yep. And you look at that and you go, gee, if I was a lover of film, I, would o- I-, I could only camp out that one. I'd have to get in that one H-Hall for the whole day to yep. see all these things. But there's other films here, though. And Friday had a great slate. Thursday had a great slate as well. I mean, I don't know. To each their own. I was a fellow camper, but it's still, I still think that that two days before is excessive and a waste because, you know, those people got four-day passes when somebody else could have gotten that Friday pass. And that's right. how I think about it. Somebody who actually wanted it. But I'm not going to go on that rant right now. Um, <laughs> for another Comic-Con. time. Yeah, wait for Comic-Con. This is my second year of actually going to Nerd HQ. And yesterday I um, met up with a friend, and they had an extra ticket to this panel. And, of course, when I got the ticket, and I, I, you know, they were like, oh, cool, Julie Plex. All right, I don't know who that is. And then I, all I knew is that she was a writer. I was like, cool, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't care. And then I was waiting in line, and I was talking to people, and they go, oh, yeah. And I noticed like it was like almost all female, all female. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I was like, well who is this person? And somebody told me. They were like, oh, it's Vampire. It's the Vampire Diaries creator. And I just... Really? First thing I think is, ah, oh, crap. Man. Not a big fan of the Vampire Diaries? Well, I don't, I've never seen it, but I'm also just... I don't like vampires. Right. So I was just... I just kind of had that, like, you know, that... You're that, vamped out yeah, at this I, point. I've, I had that kind of had, like, that notion. I'm just like, man, this is going to... I mean, it might be interesting because, honestly, I like the, I like the uh, panels more when they have the writers there because I think the writers are w- a thousand times more 
entertaining and are just, are just a lot better than actually listening to these celebrities. Okay. So I, I waited in line and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I was. I had the option of leaving, of, of course, or staying in. I stayed. I stayed. Why not? And uh, so we got there. Zachary Levi was the moderator. And so he said, all right, Julie Pluck and Gabe Sachs. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, I, I know that name. I really know that name. And then he walked out and he go, I've seen his, I've seen him before. And then, and then of course, Zachary Levi says, oh, yeah, he's, he's a co-creator of Freaks and Geeks. Right. And declared. Nice. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, okay, this is going to be great. And let me tell you, that was one of the damn best panels I've ever, I've ever experienced. Funny, interesting. Ever. They said things that no actor would ever, or any, you know, it's that's why I love writers. They're honest. They were talking trash about the people who have the, they, you know, who uh, like the producers and stuff. They were just saying, you know, like making fun of all the stuff that they're not allowed to say. They would just say all these things, anything, whatever's on their mind. You know, and it's true. I, I, I actually feel bad for actors that way. Uh, you know, it's not always sometimes their fault. Sometimes, you know, actors in particular. They have such scrutiny on them sometimes that it's impossible for them to say anything without getting an immense amount of blowback. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, I agree with you. Writers and directors particularly are very fun to listen to. Like, Steve Moffat was just taught. He just had two panels the other day at um, uh, on Sherlock and Doctor Who. Yeah. Back to back, too. Back to back. And funny. Both times. Very funny to listen to. Very witty. Yeah. Um, what you expect out of Stephen Moffat if you read one of his scripts, and actually good advice about writing and about how he likes the fans writing their fan fiction, and even if they don't like the stuff he does, he says, write your fan fiction, write what you yeah. want to write, and someday you'll be in the position I'm at, I'll be dead and retired, <laughs> he's like, I'll yeah. be dead and retired, and you'll be running a show like this or something, or creating your own original thing, and that'll be good, Like, but that's the type of thing I like, is that especially writers, more, almost more than anyone else, maybe artists too, respect the creative nature of anything and they understand how difficult it is for anyone to make something especially you know the size of a lot of the things that uh appear here at comic-con so you know what i mean it's it's like uh it it, it's definitely true that writers have a little bit more leeway to say what they want at uh one of these panels well it was a damn damn good panel (laughs) and julie pleck was awesome she talked about bullying on twitter Basically, just saying, you know, I was like, you know what? I don't see what's wrong with just saying "fuck you" to a to a fan who who is complaining constantly and bullying me on Twitter. <laughs> and she she was great. And Gabe Sachs had some great stories about freaks and geeks. Oh about yeah, how what Fox's uh what uh Fox's attitude towards Seth Rogen and all this other stuff. And it was a, Fox did not have a good attitude towards. They just Seth. didn't like his voice. They say he'll never become a star. And look at him now, <laughs> um, doing preacher. Is he showing up with Preacher, by the way? Just, no, sorry. he's not, unfortunately. Oh, a shame. They're still filming that, I think. So. I know. I know. I know. I wish it was here. Maybe next year. Next, next year, maybe. Year. All right, guys, now please enjoy our interview with Elaine Adams. <laughs> Hi, this is Tyler. I'm here with author Elaine Adams from Brunin the Bear. All right, so what is Brunin the Bear? So Brunin is a character from my book series, The Legends of Orkney, and I decided to use Odin in the form of the bear as a different way of showing Odin in the book. The book series is kind of it's a story about a 12-year-old boy. It's kind of like Percy Jackson meets Norse mythology. He wakes up one morning and finds out that nothing about his life is ordinary. His father is a descendant of Odin, which makes him a son of Odin, and his mother is a witch. And so you can just imagine, you know, when we think <laughs> of fantasy novels, what it would be like to have dark kind of magic, you know, from the witch, and the light magic from, from his father. 
actually being a descendant of Odin. That, that's like me waking up after like a D and D session, uh, like the yeah, next yeah. day. I'm just, like so like hung over and be like, what did I do? I'm, apparently, I'm a master of something. Something, yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. on the good side or the dark <laughs> I side. I killed a bunch yeah. of goblins. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Idea. No, that sounds awesome. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's great. So, um, are you? Um, so the games can uh, there's a video game now or an iOS game. It's a, it's a digital mobile game. Yeah, oh, awesome. and it's really different because it <laughs> uses beacon-based technology, kind of like geocaching, right? Oh, okay. So what we do is we go to fan cons across the country and we turn them into live game boards. So we we deploy secret beacons, okay, all around <laughs> these conventions. You don't know where they are necessarily. You download the game Battlecasters and it's a free game. It's a free app. There's Perfect. no there's no freemium. There's no in-game purchase or anything like that. And as you're walking around the convention. You you cross the beacon and all of a sudden you enter into the realm you know of Orkney right uh, yeah. Asgard I'm in Asgard and you begin <laughs> to collect content and what you can do is you can affect other players in the game you can cast spells you can steal cards and it's kind of like a, a scavenger hunt you're collecting cards you're trying to get enough rare cards so that you can close the stone fire because that's <laughs> the ultimate goal this is close the stone fire and that's then awesome. you know you kind of win the game and so uh, we've been to uh, we we started in Emerald City and. March, and we went to C2E2 in Chicago. We've been to Denver Comic Con, and those ones we were able to play it inside the con, and we had a leaderboard, and people were literally running, you know, because we're all competitive, right? We're like, want to finish the game as fast as we can. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. We had a pregnant woman do it like in under 10 minutes, and we're like, dude, seriously, go slow down. But kids had a great time, and one of the exciting things was when they finished the game, they wanted to read the book, and that's really the point of yes. the game, right? Absolutely. You, you engage with the characters, you get to know the see the really cool art and you get to know kind of like what the book's about a little bit and it should make you really excited and intrigued you know gamers you know fan, people at fan cons want to engage with characters yes you know, right yes absolutely yeah. anything to get anybody reading anything is great exactly. <laughs> and so the whole point of the game is to use that phone you know phones are such a distractions in our life but why not use it as a weapon for good you yeah, know right exactly so that they use the phone they play the game and they want to read the book and that was really the whole point behind it Awesome. Okay, so how many conventions have you gone to? Yeah, so we've been to four so far. San Diego is by far the biggest one we've been to. Oh, but yeah. From here, we're going to go to Indiana Gen Con, and then we'll go to Seattle PAX Prime, and then we'll finish the con season in you know New York at New York Comic Con in October. That is so awesome. Yeah. And my last question for you is, what does geekdom mean for you? Geekdom is, uh, you know, is, is, a, is a way in which hmm, we engage in the world around us in a really immersive, sometimes subversive way of actually engaging with characters and content and identifying with them, right, in ways that didn't really exist 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And yeah. it's reaching people in such a unique way that they engage with your characters. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on here, and I hope you have a great con. Hope you have a great con. Thank you so much, you guys. And keep listening in. We're going to update you guys with San Diego Comic-Con. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. And that was my interview with Elaine Adams. Uh, you can find her work. She has other books as well, a bunch of uh, young adult books, uh, Legend of Orkney. And you can find any of her stuff on GoSparkPoint.com. Oh, really interesting lady. Very nice. Very nice. I'm really glad I talked to her. Um, so I have Albert here with me. Hello. Alrighty, and this year has been really different for both of us because one thing is that usually I'm not around walking. I usually just go straight to panels. My whole Comic-Con experience is just panel after panel after panel, waiting in line, waiting in line, panel, line, panel, line. Yep, same here. It, no, the, it, it was kind of like a joke 
Like you'll spend a whole day on one panel room. This is the first year where I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. And you know what? It is so refreshing and awesome. And I think I already said that earlier in this podcast with Evan. But it really is. I mean, what do you think about to, about this year especially? This year has been very relaxed for me. This is the first year that I was not able to get uh, four days plus preview night. I only got uh, two days, Thursday and Sunday. So it was like Friday and Saturday, I didn't really need to do much. In fact, even Friday, I, I didn't do anything at all because I went home. <laughs> and, then, and then I came back Saturday afternoon and then I just spent a few hours over the gas lamp district and that's pretty much it so it was like I think my patience for standing in lines has kind of diminished because if I don't really want to do it I'm not going to stand in line yeah and you know what all the stuff that I was hearing about and people were camping out over and that's what I used to do I used to camp out every single year for a Hall H you know not yeah basically 24 hours over and uh, this year you know hearing all the stuff and on Twitter was just as satisfying, to be honest. And I'm seeing all these pictures, and then not only that, but Warner Brothers released almost everything right afterwards. Almost. Right afterwards. Yeah, not the Suicide Squad stuff, but I already saw the leak of it, and it looks great. But that's besides the point. Um, it just I got, to, I got to walk around and do these interviews, and of course we're going to have another interview coming up. But it, it's so relieving and crazy how, like, I, I can't, even fathom how much I've missed from just doing Hall H on thir- on Saturday every- for the past eight years. You know, I I I've probably missed so much stuff and so many people and how many opportunities we have. Just tonight when we were walking around, we we made like what like three or four friends. I don't think you can imagine how many friends I've made. I ha- I uh, and I hope you guys are listening to this. I have made so many friends this year. I've made so many contacts. I've ha- I've added so many I've had people add me on Facebook already. I like I've made friends from Vancouver. Um one you know one girl from Australia. Yep. We have Sydney, Australia. We we've we've been making friends from everywhere and I've been making friends from everywhere. I met Mindy Kaling's uh stunt, uh her stunt double and I talked to her for a good 20 minutes and we exchanged all of our information. She's freaking awesome. I met a screenwriter and we you know in LA and who have been working with? Uh, why am I forgetting the bro- with the brothers from uh, Dumb and Dumber? Why am I forgetting their name? Ferrelli brothers. The, yeah, that's right. The Ferrelli brothers. She works. She's been work. She works with them and helps them. Uh, I've made some awesome new friends and and these contacts and all this awesome stuff. And these interviews have been so amazing. Of course, I was nervous, and most of them were really nervous with the first one, first couple. But well, it's been it's been a blast. Well, I think that's a testament of what Comic Con gets to offer. People who want to just go to the panel rooms will be fulfilled from that. People who just want to do the exhibit halls will be fulfilled from that. And then for everybody else, there's other things that you get to do. So, I mean, all those, all those chances that you had, you may not have gotten that if you were doing all panel rooms. Yeah. You know, so it's just that, that alternative is there's Comic Con, the alternative is always a good alternative. Yeah. Because there's no, it's just fun overall. Exactly. And uh, at the beginning of this episode, Evan and I were talking, and it was Friday. Right now, it's Saturday night. We walked around the whole exhibit uh, I walked around the whole exhibit hall. I in- interviewed a bunch of people, met a, made a bunch of friends, like I've been saying. Uh, however, I have yet to go to a panel, except for one. I went to one panel this year, and it was to Kevin Smith. I usually – I've missed his panel for the past two years, and you, know, you go ahead. This is the first year that I was not able to go to a Kevin Smith panel. And, oh, man, I got to tell you, I, um, I went with Jay, who hopefully will be on this podcast very soon. He's in your podcast, which yes. is... Spoilers, please. Yes, exactly. And definitely listen to it. It's a great podcast. 
he made us cr- or he made Jay choke up. I teared up. I was, I was I was in tears. He was amazing this year. And the weird thing was he was just kind of horrified. He was really, really, really beaten up this year because of Star Wars. Star Wars was right before it. And you know what? I didn't camp out for it. And I didn't see it. But, you know, they went to this John Williams, you know, or, you know, or, um, orchestra show uh, or um, this whole show. And I didn't care. You know, I was like, eh, that's kind of cool. I, just, I don't know. And going into that panel, he was like, one thing, he was tearing up because he was like, I, I got to see all of my dreams. And he even said, like, straight up, he goes, you know, I'm not trying to like, trying to sound like a jerk or anything like that. But, you know, for a split second, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just go to this orca. Maybe I should just go see the show. Maybe I shouldn't go out there. It's going to be empty. And you know what? It was two-thirds full. All these people here are there for Kevin Smith and their supporters. And, you know, I've been it's been hit or miss with me and him, you know, for, with, with his films, in my opinion. I wasn't a big fan of Tusk. And uh, Zack and Mary was okay. I absolutely loved Clerks, too. And I really liked Red State. I mean, I didn't love it, but I liked it. Um, he's, he's influenced me a lot. So I was like, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the, doubt and, of the doubt. And I'm really excited for Yoga Hosers. So I was like, you know, I, re- I really want to hear more about mall rats and stuff like that. And he finally just laid this tragic story about uh, this producer, this Hollywood producer, who is basically now my new hero, especially now that I've been reading about it for the past 24 hours. It's uh, it's Jim Jacks from Universal. It's just this guy who is in love with film and wants to make things that like just kind of for everybody. He did Mummy. He did like King Kong and stuff like that. Is, the name sounds familiar. Did he work with Kevin Smith in past films? Yeah, yes, Mallrats. Right. He was the reason why Mallrats. That's he, right. He, That's he, where I heard the name. From. He was okay. the guy who basically went up to him and just kind of was like, "Okay, we're gonna make this movie, and I want I want you. To, I, I love you. I love you. You know, I want you to do more than Clerks." And so he wanted to buy Clerks originally, and then he said, "Well, I already I already sold to Miramax." And then he goes, "Well, um, what, what do you want to do next? What we're doing with me?" So they made Mallrats, and he talked about the story basically where. Right after they made Mallrats, it bombed. And, you know, even he said, he goes, once you kind of make a movie that bombs and you're new, everybody just scatters. And you don't, and you don't hear from them. Like, it's just, you've, you've basically cut all, almost all ties from people, and you don't really hear from them ever, sometimes. And he said, six months down the line, or six months later, he, he called them up, and they ran, or they ran into each other, and he goes, you know, what do you want to do next? And he goes, wow, you're talking to me? He goes, well... I always wanted to make Mall Rats too. He goes, really? He goes, like, what would you call it? He goes, Mall Rats Die Hard in the Mall. And he goes, okay. And he goes, all right, I, let's do it. I, we're gonna do this. And he talked about like he had like this little card placing thing in his in his office, where and I know I'm retelling the story. I'm gonna do a little, little like a short version, definitely a lot shorter version than Kevin Smith, which because is usually you, because an hour. Kevin Smith is probably gonna release it in his own podcast. Well, there's that, podcast. but it's also like it's like an hour long story for him. But right. for me, I'm gonna make it a little short. Um, but that's the reason why you go to Kevin Smith panels. You like to hear his stories, especially this one because I was in tears. Anyway, so the roll, so not Rolodex, but like the card holder thing. He had three little slots. One was films being made right now, projects that he's working on right now, projects being made in the next one or two years, and then his wish list. And he had three cards in the wish list, and he put the Mallrats two in it. He goes, "We can't make it now because he always believed that Mallrats was ahead of its time." And you know what? I have to agree with it. It's a movie that just I can't really believe actually existed in the '90s. It's it takes place in a mall. You have it's a really, really big. It, it, <sighs> 
It's, it's a not, very elaborate battle bottle episode. It really, really is. <laughs> and I don't think that comedy like it's kinda like duck soup. It's just it's just ahead of its time. That kind of comedy, that kind of story doesn't really belong. Duck soup was like really political and it, it was just too soon for that satire and it was just like that kind of the comedy styles of that one especially, like that, yeah, it was just way, way ahead of what it was like what because of when of that time period. Well, it's a very it's a definition of a cult film. Yeah, I mean, Mallrats was a kind of movie that would grab a particular kind of audience, and the problem was that they were trying to market it for a mainstream crowd. It was definitely not a mainstream movie. Yeah. That was the problem. Exactly. And anyway, so this movie was just a bomb, and nobody expected a sequel ever. And he put it in his wish list. And then Kevin Smith, basically, they they, they didn't talk to each other, and they lived within a mile of each other, and they never saw each other like ever. And last year, Jim Jacks passed away. This hero and everything, Kevin Smith. And this guy was like, he was there for the start of like Sam Raimi's like rise with Dark Man trilogy and all that stuff. And he would, and even Kevin Smith was said that he would talk always about Sam Raimi and to Kevin when they would go out to dinner and stuff like that. Like when they were making mall rats and stuff like that, when they were all friends. And, you know, he was his mentor. He was everything. And then, anyway, so Je- Jim Jacks died. And, I mean, Kevin, it beat Kevin up. He goes, I didn't see him. For years, I, I I haven't seen this guy, and he was he did everything. I would not have had a career if it wasn't for this man. It would never have gone this far, most likely, because he said like I he would have made some more more movies like Clerks, and that's it. And you know he was, and he even said it's like I wouldn't have probably have met my wife. I probably wouldn't have had a, um, my daughter right now. And you know he goes, Jace, you know Jay Muse may not even be sober now. He and um and so he went to the funeral. And you know he he said he just broke down, and then of course he saw in the uh, in that card thing he said he still saw Mallrats two in his wish list. That guy never forgot about it. Always held on to that card. And then when you know he was he said he was grieving, he just needed to leave. So he was leaving the funeral or the after party, and this one director that he kind of heard of and done a couple of stuff uh, basically stops him. He goes, "Hey, I just want to let you know that like I literally just." had lunch with Jim last Thursday and you know like he and you know he just the whole time all he was doing was talking about you about working with you and how much of an influence and amazing it was and he goes and you know and he's just like at that point like just like his storytelling is beautiful and I was just I was in fucking tears I was like oh my god oh my god like it's that mentor in that one moment like you know all those years especially just kind of makes you realize like you know don't ever just never talk to the people that you love and the people who are there for you have them always be a part of your life and you know for that like you know i've lost you know, i lost my great uncle who i used to talk to every every week and it was just you know it's just it reminded me of a lot of past mistakes that i've done before and that people I, I, I can't talk to anymore so there was just like there was just that whole you know concept but the story was great and just that one long hour-long story, and of course seeing the Yoga Hosers uh, trailer, which was amazing. It looks like the dumbest fun ever. It is Sausage Nazis. It's amazing. Um, it just looks like stupid fun, and I, and I am so excited for well, that's, it. Well, that's looked- the one advantage of Kevin Smith right now. He's writing movies for himself. Exactly. He doesn't care what other people think. He's writing movies for himself. And honestly, a filmmaker should do it movies like that. Yeah, and that's what Martin Scorsese did with The, with the Departed. And uh, look, look at that. I mean, there's it works. Well, and the I'm Departed so is still a remake, but yeah. I know, but it's still it's still the movie he wanted to make. But I mean, anyway, that hour long story made up for anything that Star Wars and that Star Wars and that John Williams concert ever could could have. That was probably a big eye opener for me, 
and it's now going to help me strive to do better for you guys. And I'm going to be working definitely a lot harder on these podcasts, doing everything to make this thing grow. And I'm so glad to have an audience and to have an opportunity, having friends of everybody coming together and doing this. Um, so without further ado, we are now going, I'm going to introduce you guys to our next interview. And this next interview is a very, very, very fantastic person. Somebody who has also touched my life and made me want to do the move out here to LA area. And, you know, he actually, he, he, he really influenced me all throughout my life and he's always just been a hero. So please, please enjoy this interview with Doug Jones. The amazing creature actor and just an amazing actor. So he's the greatest person I have ever met. He ever. is awesome. He's just the greatest. If you ever so, see him walking around, say hi. Oh, and he will <laughs> love it. He will love it. All righty. And this is Doug Jones' interview. Please enjoy. All right. And this is Tyler, and we're back at Comic-Con. I'm sitting here with my one of my heroes, Doug Jones, the most Aww. sweetest, amazing person I've ever precious, met. Ever. Precious, precious, <laughs> McPhail. How are you doing? Free. Yeah, that's your screen name on the Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. I know. We've yeah. been following each other for yeah, years. I know. It's, it's been, been great. great. We met in Florida, didn't we? Or uh, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. I knew it was somewhere <laughs> south. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so what What brings you to, to this Comic-Con? What are you, well, what are you uh, here for? Uh, Comic-Con, I have been, well, I've been here every year, of course. There's always something going on. So uh, my final season of Falling Skies is airing right now on TNT. That's right. Uh, in fact, all of our final season because the show's coming to a close. And oh. uh, uh, so it's airing Sunday nights uh, on TNT at 10 o'clock, 9 central. And Watch it, everybody. Watch it's everybody. a great show. Yeah. And uh, so th- it's running throughout the summer. It'll be over sometime in August. That's, oh, so that's too bad. want to want to get a rousing close. Yes. Um, and I play Cochise on the show, which is uh, the leader of the Volm Aliens. Oh. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a hostile takeover of Earth, kind of like The Walking Dead with aliens. Yes, exactly. Uh, and there's a human faction that's fighting back, and, uh, and I... I'm a different alien species that lands in season three to help them fight back these bad aliens with my technology, my know-how, and my previous relation with the bad aliens. Yeah. So, uh, so I've, uh, it's been a fun arc to play over these last three years of getting to know the humans and finding their, their hearts and their souls, and, and that's something new to me. I'm a, we're a very intellectual uh, uh, species. Yeah. And finding a humanity and, and the word love and what that means and, and, and relationships with each other, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh man! So it's, oh, you're, and you're so great. I, I love, oh, oh, I love watching the show for you. you. Like anything you're in, I will watch hands down. Well, then you also have to watch the strain this season too. Yes, um, I'm in two episodes: episode 201 and 206. Oh, perfect! As, uh, I'm the leader of the ancient vampires. I'm, we're reprising from uh, our season finale last year. Yeah, uh, where we introduced. Oh. and I'm also going to be in the season opening flashback scene as a different ancient vampire. Hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you why, but it's a. Uh, uh, <laughs> It's a flashback that shows you how the master became the master. And I love, Boom. I love Strange Season One. Yeah, I love yeah. it so okay, much. Good, good, good. Awesome. And you're also here for Nobility. Nobility, yes. Uh, it, nobility. it looks great. I'm looking at a screen right here. It's in it 3D, does, right? and it has, a, it has people who I've seen throughout the whole year. So I'm like, I mean, from everything. I know, right? Well, we've got uh, we got Walter Koenig from the original Star Trek series. Yeah. We have Cass Anvar from uh, Olympus on Sci-Fi. Uh, we have uh, uh, Jace. Uh, 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 James Kyson. Yeah, from, from Heroes. Heroes. And then and, uh, uh, Chris Judge from Stargate. Uh, one of the Stargate. Stargates. Oh, the original Stargate. All, yeah, right. all of it. Just tons <laughs> more. Great. And more names of that you've seen over the years and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, uh, so <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I just recognize somebody I know because that happens all over comics. Absolutely. It and it's amazing. I, I, uh, I saw you. And I, was like, I know. <laughs> I know. 
So anywho, uh, um, yeah. So nobility is a it's a kind of a, it's a half hour sitcommy kind of pilot set in space. So it's a goofy space show. Ah, uh, awesome. And I play the the uh, ship's psychologist. But unfortunately, uh, true, as might be true to real life sometimes, the psychologist <laughs> is the one most in need of it. So, so I, uh, I am, um, I, and all, all the other people on the crew just aren't really in the mood uh, to have me around. So I kind of force myself on them. And uh, so that, that's my shtick in the show, basically. <laughs> that's definitely not in, in real life. I, think, I don't know right. why anybody would not want you around. <laughs> right, right, right. So <laughs> thank you, Precious. <laughs> But they're uh, so so. What if, if it if it sells or not as a, as a half hour sitcom? We don't know. If it doesn't, they can uh, they can break I it up so. and make a web series out of it. Yeah. It sounds so much. It sounds like a lot of fun and it looks fantastic with, with a great sci fi cast that has a lot of audience that come with each one of of them. Yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah. I'm I'm so glad you're here. So um, so how many more cons are you doing? Like I mean, you, you oh, still yeah, doing the I, whole... I do the con circuit. I'm, I have a few more coming up this this summer yet. I'm going to be in Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, for Wizard World there the oh, last weekend of July uh, into August for 2nd. And then I will be in Louisville, Kentucky for Fandom Fest, August uh, 7, 8, 9. And those are the only two. And Providence, Rhode Island in November uh, for Rhode Island Comic Con with Ron Perlman. He's going to be there, Ooh. too. I want to ask, but then I'm also afraid Come to. Come on. Bring oh, it on. Bring I know. It. I mean, I, I know. Like, So uh, will it be... Will it be kind of heading towards Kickstarter? I heard it's not going to be, but like I mean, no. There there, well, there's, uh, Never. Ron Perlman started a hashtag on Twitter. Yes. Hashtag Hellboy Three, the Roman numeral three. That's so it's Hellboy I I I. Okay. Uh, I've already done it, but yes. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he wa- he wanted to get that trending, so it would be a message to the studio system. Yes. That the fans are there. They're holding money in their hands. They want to buy tickets to see this movie. I, Let's make it already. Yeah. Uh, but if all of us creatives want to do it, uh, I want to come back. Selma Blair does. Guillermo del Toro would love to. Uh, and Ron Perlman, of course. Uh, we all want to do it. So if the creatives want to do it and it's not being made, it's usually a money studio issue. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So uh, uh, whatever they whatever they work out would be great. But I'm going to hold on to the hope that we can do this. And so am I because I love the first two so much. Uh, oh, my gosh. Thank you. Uh, okay. So, help, so hashtag Hellboy III. And last question. What does geekdom mean to you? Geekdom to me means love, and and I because I when I'm in a crowd like this that are full of of, of self-proclaimed proud geeks, <laughs> uh, I've never been so loved on as I am in a room like this, uh, and and these are the people that helped buy my house for me over the years that have supported all of my movies, TV shows, web series, short films, whatever I've been in. They're the ones that, that follow that and and support that, and and I love them also. So geekdom to me means hugs and love and all of that. Oh, so, I love you. that answer. Great. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I love you. You're love so you great more, every Tyler. time I see you. Aww. Thank you so much, you guys. Doug Jones, the master. The, oh, my God. The, the creature master. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, thank you guys. You. All right. I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Doug Jones. He is the nicest, most amazing guy, like I said before. And as you can tell in the interview, so I'm here with Albert and Jeff and... Uh, well, first off, before we get to this next interview, I want to talk about a little bit. What exactly brings you guys into wanting to go to conventions? Like, what what brings you guys and you know into this whole world, this massive nerd world, and just this? It, it, obviously, you get very very mixed emotions because there's so many things either going on or things are just easily planned out in some conventions. Like, what we'll start with you, Jeff. I'll tell you right now. When it comes to a con, 
I go to I go to a con because I feel that that is an event that happens almost like once a year. It's something where you really get to go all out with whatever kind of geek <clears throat> like that you have. You can come out of the woodworks, you can enjoy it, whether it's comics, whether it's shows, whether it's anything at all having to do with geek culture or anything having to do with anything that is a particular interest of you. And it's a place where you can conglomerate with others that share your interest. That w- That's what I think is probably the most appealing thing to me when it comes to a con, is being able to go into an arena like that where other people share your passion and not have to feel so much like you are... Um, being outcasted or feel like you're like outside looking in on something feeling like the outsider that's what i love about cons the most of course the pop culture stuff is always great free swag is always nice sketches comics whatever you like but that feeling of togetherness with other so-called geeks is exactly what i think is is the drawing factor of what i love most about a con honestly the easy answer would be the same answer like jeff so instead of doing that, because it's true, that is the reason why I go to cons, because to hang out with people like me, uh, let me just go. Originally, I went to cons because of specific reasons. The very first times were because of comic books. The second times was because of Asian cinema, which is really big in the, the oh, mid-90s. Yes. And then the next time around was a bunch of anime. Anime really hit big in Comic-Con in the late 90s. That was my thing. And then Hollywood stepped in. And then I was like, oh, Hollywood movies, Spider-Man, X-Men and all that stuff come in. And then TV shows stepped in. So every, every like, I would say three to four years, something big will happen in Comic-Con. And those, that will always be a reason for me to go. But then I think recently, these past five years, it really has been Jeff's answer. I just wanted to hang out with people like me. You know, so the focus of going for specific reasons has slowly and slowly diminished for me. It's just coming here and just celebrating everything with friends, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree with you guys. But for me, just I feel like that's where I belong. I belong with these people. I belong with chaos sometimes. I I, I belong with this kind of um, friendly, yeah, beautiful, know, beautiful chaos. I will yeah, add. beautiful friendly chaos is what it is. It, it it it's insane. You have especially somebody with ADHD, they have like 300 things going on at once. Like we, and then at Comic-Con, you have off-site events, on-site events, pro- programming, live programming. Um, you have a bunch of stuff that you can be doing, you know, and the Anime Expo as well, which we had the week before, and we'll have that uh, continuation up very soon. There is a lot that you can do at these conventions, and the people are amazing. And I just turn into this suave, weird other person who talks to everybody? Like I talk to I talk to a lot of people, but I'm nowhere near like I am at a convention where I'm just talking to everybody. I want to get to know everybody. I want to know everybody's story. I'm I'm saying hi to everybody I can possibly say hi to, and I I, I love it. I think it's great. It's there's this camaraderie that is so strong, and it's just this radiance that just kind of just it it, it comes from these conventions and makes you feel whole. Being somebody else is probably something that I've noticed about conventions myself because when you're out in the real world, <laughs> you have that barricade of like, well, is this person like me? Is he a geek? Over here, you know everybody's a geek. So it's so much easier to talk to people, and that's a huge advantage. And it's also, it's also great because you'll, you'll either, A, never see him again, so it doesn't really matter what kind of, um, kind of stamp you kind of had on them. It doesn't, you know, you just, if you know, if it's, if it's something bad, if it's a bad interaction, 
who cares? You'll never see him again. Yeah, exactly. If it's something great, you made a lifelong friend. I have made so many friends who I, I mean, I, you guys saw how many people just exactly. came out of nowhere and talked to me. Like, I, I mean, there was one point where like people were just going left and right. It was just, it's great. Yeah. I, I can't step 50 feet without knowing somebody and it is the greatest feeling in the world and it makes me feel like a celebrity for once in my life. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Uh, and you, you, it's, it's, it's a family. That's all it is. It's family. Very extended family um, at that. Yeah. And okay, so up next is our our next interview and last interview of this podcast. We're going to be splitting this into two podcasts because, well, we just owned it with these interviews, and, and oh, yeah. we thank all of these people who we interviewed. The next one's going to be Lynn Wayne. It's not a very long interview, but it's very fun, and what a fantastic guy! I think Jeff and I can both oh, yeah. say like it was just it, it was a pleasure. One thing talking to a legend like that, but for him to be so personable and just he was very patient. Yes, he for, was for especially you know how little time he had and everything else. And we, we, we thank him so much. So please enjoy this next interview. Thank you. All right, welcome you guys. This is Tyler again, and I'm here, here with Lynn Wayne, the legend. Yes. And the whole embodiment of awesome right here. You can't see the glow around me, but there is one. Absolutely, especially with all the yellow. I mean, it, it oh, definitely no, helps, no, the no, aura. <laughs> so how's your con going so far? It's marvelous. I've had a terrific weekend. Oh, perfect. What's your favorite, what's your favorite thing about going to these conventions, especially Seeing this huge one? Seeing old friends. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I mean, there are places I get to see people where... Once a year. It's weird because most of them live 10 minutes from me in L.A., but I only see them down here. <laughs> I, think that's li- I think it's like that everywhere in L.A. area. Yeah. So that's me, that's me in Orange County still. Um, so, like, okay, so when you come to the convention and you see your fans or you see the people who you've inspired throughout the years, what, like, how, how does that kind of like go through your head? Like, what, what, what's the first thoughts? It's humbling. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of responsibility in inspiring other people. And... Uh, I'm always astonished to find out I have. <laughs> How could you say that for the the amazing and the and the gigantic amount of work that you've done throughout these years? It's a, it's phenomenal. In uh, my head, I'm a newbie. Oh, what? I've only been doing this for about a week and a half. <laughs> You're so humble. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, like, what's next for you? Like, are you doing the whole the whole circuit of? Well, I, I this year was my health's been a little down this year. Oh no! So I'm doing fewer conventions than usual but i am still scheduled for about four more as the year goes on oh wow um and i'm working on two new books for dc what are they a swamp thing ah oh. and the metal men oh per- oh metal men yes oh metal perfect men. oh my gosh that, that is great so I'm, I'm very you have a question excited. Well, the one I was going to ask, actually, is of all the creators or all the creations that you have been responsible for over the years which do you think you are most proud of Brother Voodoo. Huh? Brother Voodoo. Brother Voodoo. Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. That's right up there with the top ten. And what, what, makes him your, what makes him your favorite? Nobody appreciates him but me. <laughs> Nobody appreciates him but me. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> I love that answer. I am not going to lie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wait, so wait, yeah. How many, how many San Diego Comic-Cons have you been going to? Forty-three. Wow, that's it? Well, you know, I missed a few years by not being born yet. Oh, no. Well, okay. I guess I can. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is amazing. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Oh, man. I have no no idea what else to ask. It's been so much fun. (laughs) Capital of North Dakota is Pierre. We know that. Oh, wow. That is that. that Okay. The capital of South Dakota is North Dakota, apparently. (laughs) 
Okay, I have one last question that we've been yes, asking sir. everybody. What does geekdom mean to you? Home. Home. That that, I'm home in geekdom. That's where I've spent my life. That is an amazing answer. I love that answer. Thank you so much, Len. It You're has very been, welcome. It has it's been a pleasure. pleasure. You're so much fun. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you guys for listening in. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that very brief but very awesome interview with Lynn Wayne. Uh, before we go on this on this episode, brief but sweet. Yes, it, it was, was amazing. Very I love his answer. Oh yeah. Um, but before we go, I want to kind of ask the three of us: What does geekdom mean for us? So you go ahead. You go first, Jeff. Geekdom for me is two things. For one, it's being comfortable in your own darn skin t- to do whatever you want and not to do what society deems you should or should not be doing. So geek is being comfortable in your own skin. And second, secondly, it's, it's being able to express yourself in your creativity in the way that you see fit. In a way, it's almost the, it's in a way it's almost the, the, the first thing as well. It's the ability to be free about who you are and be true to yourself. And if that means that, you know, you love your comics, then who the heck cares? If you like your comics, who the heck cares if you're a fanatic for for the Hannibal show? Who the heck cares if you love Kevin Smith movies? Who the heck cares if, you know, you love to play Dungeons and Dragons or World of Warcraft or anything like that? Geekdom is being comfortable to say that, you know what, I'm going to like it. And basically, I don't give a flame. And you know what, what you think. It's in all of us, just like Mark Silvestri said also in his interview, which we, which was an excellent one as well. It's in all of us. We, it's just the, the degree to which we are willing to express it, in my opinion. And once again, Jeff, you said probably the same answer that I would give, so I'll have to try and expand on that again. Sure. So like growing up when you were young, especially my, our age, Jeff, yeah. uh, mostly it's the stereotypical sports jocks. And nerd geeks, in the nerds, yeah, right? exactly. So growing up, thank young, you, thank you, Revenge of the Nerds, for polarizing <laughs> it so easily. Exactly. So growing up, when you when you're doing comic books, when you're doing role playing games, when you're doing video games, you feel like an outcast. Yeah, you do. Right. So now we live in an era where you get to actually be celebrating those exact things, and the rest of the world is celebrating with you. Yeah. So that that geekdom is like it's almost like a stamp of approval that what you love when you were young, what you love when you were a teenager, what you love as you're an adult. Even if it isn't the norm, even if it's about fantasy, even if it's make-believe, the point is, is that there's a lot of us that love those things, and if anything else, it can make us better because of the fact that, that you're, you have something to strive on. That's geekdom for me. It's our obsession for something that we love and something that isn't bad. You know, it's, it's substantial. It really is. For me, geekdom is just being true to yourself. It is opening up, not being ashamed of anything. It is, I grew up very, you know, I didn't really know how to express myself. I was very, all I knew was that I was very hyper and a lot of people didn't like me and a lot of people couldn't handle me. So I had to at least try and do everything I could to appease them in multiple ways from like acting like like sports for years and doing all this other stuff, appeasing everybody by doing choir and doing all this other stuff I didn't want to do. And I finally, when I was in college and I started really hanging out with some of my really best friends and then, of course, moving on here and making better best friends and really defining my independence is and going to Comic-Con especially is where I really, really finally realized that I was not really just living, not, not living a lie, but it was, 
it, it's it, I was kind of just keeping myself from being really truly happy and having a self identity, and now I'm so I have way more confidence. I am I just I feel complete now, and I think geek geekdom, and especially in s- settings as a festival or a convention or an expo or anything of the kind. It really just lets people be the person that they're supposed to be all the time and not worry about anything and to never be ashamed. And that is exactly what I think geekdom is, is to not be ashamed. Very well said. Very well said. So, um, before we go, this will be the end of this episode, and we'll have a part two of the continuation with three other other interviews, which you will see, which will be coming up in the next couple days when I edit them. Um, But before we go... Uh, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. Please also email us at grandgeekgathering at gmail.com. Thank you. I'm doing this without a script. We are also on iTunes. Please please subscribe and, and share us. We're also on Podbean. Please rate us on both. Continue to listen to us, you guys. We're going to have a lot more out for you guys and some big news coming out, a new logo. We have, we have had an insane weekend, and we hope that you guys are sharing and you know, we really want this to be a gathering and we really want the convention to bring the convention to you guys as much as we possibly can with just just through audio. And I really hope we're doing that just a little bit by bringing this happiness and this amazing, beautiful chaos to you because never be ashamed of who you are. And I think that's exactly what we all want to do. So have a great week and GGG.